0: Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco or perhaps a burrito. Hey everybody, welcome into another Photo Taco episode on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about two experiments that I'm working on. Uh, the main one is the Intel Nook as a photo editing computer. I'm going to walk through kind of it's it's the PC version or uh, yeah PC Mac Mini, is <laughs> what it, what it is, and it's it's a pretty good photo editing computer. So I'm I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to test it with it in the future, and why it is I think it's compelling uh, at a fairly reasonable price. But first, let me tell you about the other experiment that I'm doing, and I announced this in the Facebook Photo Taco group, but you probably didn't see it <laughs> because that's a problem for me. Um, we have such a great community with Photo Taco. I love the participation that we're getting in the Facebook group. It's such a good and safe and healthy place to for photographers to be able to go and ask questions, uh, answer questions, uh, ask advice on gear and on computers and... It's it's a I love the the things that are happening there today. What I can't, what's not great for me, is I can't really reach you like I did with this whole Discord server sort of thing. Um, it's not something that it just ends up in your feed. When I post into the group, when I post about the episodes, when I post about events, when I post about announcements that of something I'm doing with Photo Taco. I can't actually get to all of you who are in the group. You don't just see it in your feed. You'd have to actually seek out going into the Photo Taco Facebook group for most of everything. It works great if you have a question or if you need some help with something. Because you have a purpose, you're heading over into the group. You know it's a very good and safe place to ask your question. Create put Put your post out there and people will answer it. Uh, or Or at least I will try to get it I try to get in there like every day to answer questions i uh, I take a little bit of time off on weekends, but i <laughs> I try to get in there really frequently and be able to help everyone out because i it's a very important part of photo taco to me is my community and being able to support and help all of you who are trying to get better at photography just like I am and a sense of belonging a sense of community is super super important for me for photo taco. So, but my problem it, it, when you log in and you are looking through your feed, you're just you're not going to see stuff from the group, the Facebook group, the Photo Taco Facebook group, uh, without seeking it out, and that just doesn't work for what I want to do and how I want this to happen. So, I'm I'm trying all kinds of other forums, uh, online community things, tools, platforms, whatever you're going to call it. I've looked at Slack. I love Slack. Slack is a pretty compelling community kind of thing too. It's cost prohibitive, for one, and I don't think a lot of other people want to be able to go and run it. I know there's free, but it limits how many messages you can have, and it's just not ideal for what I, I'm looking for. It's uh, I've looked at oh all, all kinds of things. Mighty Networks is a really compelling platform. It probably would actually be the perfect place other than the pricing, and the, it's cost prohibitive again. I want a place, I really want to have a community that is free for people to join and be in for the bulk of it. I might want to have some premium features inside of the community uh, eventually be, because a, a place where, you know, I can be able to charge for some types of things that are in it, be able to pay for the platform, maybe support the show financially too. But I want the majority of the community to be free and Mighty Networks just. Doesn't it's cost prohibitive for that? Uh, there's been a whole bunch of these I've tried out. Discourse is another service that is pretty compelling, but it's online, like web based only, really, and you get notifications via email. Essentially, it's kind of a little bit older style. It's not really a 2020 sort of platform, and I, it's just lacks. It just falls short a little bit of what I'm looking for. I've been trying lots of stuff. That's the point. What I've landed on is something I I really hope that most of you will be be willing to give a try. Now, I totally get it. You are busy, busy folks, and it's just not something that the community might not be enough to make you go do something extra in your day. So I get it if that's you. I've already heard from some people because I posted this on the Photo Taco Facebook group, and you already said, sorry, man. I love the community, but I have Facebook. If it's not Facebook or Instagram, that's it. That's all I'm logging into every day. And so, so I understand. I I get it that that's the thing. But what I'm trying out is something called a Discord server. And if you're a gamer, you probably know all about Discord servers because they seem wildly popular with gaming communities. And so it's it's a, a platform where gamers get together and and do their thing together. Uh, they you know arrange to game together. They follow other people and a- anyway that that let's not go into details there. How am I going to use it? I'm hoping it can be a a good place for us to be able to go and have discussions uh, where I can have announcements and you'll actually see them and and things like that. So it's also the pricing model is a good one. It works out. I can have the free tier. I can have the premium tier. And have that be something that's not outrageously expensive. It looks like it doesn't murder your photos, which is a compelling thing. And we, and even like uh, eventually, if I do get into paying for it right now, I'm just using the free version because it provides basics that are sufficient for what I'm looking for but eventually if i do get kind of a premium channel and and we get a little bit of financial support from the community to be able to do this then we can increase like the file sizes of photos that can be uploaded and 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 it looks like it's it might work out really really well it does mean you have to have you have to go create a your own user. You have to go create a Discord user. So you go to discord.com, you create a user and then you can join any of the servers that are created through discord.com and uh, and then you should be free. So what I'll do is I'll have a link in the show notes so you can do that. It'll also be prominently displayed on the Photo Taco Podcast website on the right hand side in the columns there. I'm gonna have a link to it. We're gonna try this for a few months. I don't know how long it'll be. I'm not telling I'm not phasing out the Facebook group, at least not so far. Kind of depends on how this goes. I'm gonna run both for a little bit. And then in a few months, I'll make a decision um, I'll ask for your help in the community too. I'll ask, we'll see, you know, what, which of the two communities gets the most support over the next few months. And that will make the decision about what we do. If the Facebook community is the one that thrives and gets the most support, then maybe I'll kill the discord idea. I probably can't run two for a long period of time. I just don't have the time for it. And so we'll see. I'm also looking for moderators. Uh, so if you want to, if you would like to be a moderator on the Photo Taco Discord server, spend some time, like dedicate, I'm going to spend, you know, a few hours a week in there and like checking out posts, making sure people are behaving themselves then let me know you can message me direct message me on the discord server and let me know that you'd like to be a moderator and i will uh, i'll try that out we'll make you a moderator and i'll give you some instruction of some of the things i want to do and and have that be a good thing which is kind of a helpful thing too that that i can kind of outsource that anyway there's my first experiment discord server I would really love to have you all check it out. I I get it that it's a whole separate thing you have to log into, but I think it's compelling. So let's try it out. Let's give it a go, and uh, we'll see where this experiment leads. Okay, now on to the, the actual topic. I spent enough time on the Discord server, but I need to talk about it in the podcast so I can make sure everybody knows. All the listeners know that it's there. It's a good solution now that it's not Facebook too. So if you've been like no Facebook, man, now there's a thing that's not Facebook <laughs> to be able to try this out. All right, Intel Nook. Let's talk Intel Nook. Um, what the Intel Nook is a it's a small form factor computer. So, like I said, it's it's the PC version of a Mac Mini. And there's actually several kinds of PC versions of the Mac Mini. This is the one that I think is the most compelling that I have seen and I'll tell you why throughout the the episode why it is I think it's so computing or so compelling. Here's what it is. The NUC, I don't know if that's how you should be saying it, but that's it seems like the the way that it is NUC is an acronym like everything in technology we have acronym overload and it's NUC and it stands for next unit of computing. And it's it's interesting because it started back in 2013, so it's been quite a while where Intel has been producing these things, and they're tiny little... They've always been small form factor computers, and they what, what they say, what Intel said when they created these things was they have pretty useful, uh, powerful mobile processors that they weren't seeing used in any sort of a device like this very well they they were really horrified at like the whole netbook explosion that happened many years ago where you got like Ultra cheap computers that were terrible. They did not do well. They were awful, awful computers. They did not perform. They had like almost no hard drive space. Anyway, they were they were bad, bad machines. And there were other kinds of computing devices that were made, you know, small form factors where they took Intel's mobile platforms, platform or chips. And they just didn't do well. So Intel decided they needed to make one to kind of show everybody what can be done with their processors in a small form factor, making it fairly inexpensive, not cheap, but inexpensive and produce something that's useful, that actually functions as a computer instead of being... Nah, not functioning <laughs> you know, instead of being this horrible horrible barely works computer make it something that actually works well so they, they started that back in 2013 it, it still wasn't super compelling back then it wasn't until really recently that it caught my attention with the hardware that's in there at least for the purposes of photography it, it would have worked well for like a a browsing computer or one that ran word and and the office apps and stuff like that that would have that's always been a pretty decent thing for that but with the 10th generation version of the intel nook which is what this episode is all about is the 10th generation here in 2020 there's a compelling platform for photographers uh, and it has mainly to do with like the ports which we'll get to in in a little bit. But let's start off the top and even though I'm focused on the Intel Nook here for photographers, what I'm gonna talk about the, the way that the hardware is important as you're buying a computer is gonna be very generic or can be generically applied. Like I'm gonna go through the different hardware components for the Nook individually and my the the reasons I'm talking about them in the order I am they're prioritized in the order of importance so if you're buying a computer whether it's a Mac a full desktop a PC laptop whatever it is if you, these are the things that you should consider first and where you should spend your money first it's it's fairly generic I'm going to go into this again next month in June. We're going to have a a podcast episode with Puget Systems. They're going to come on, and we're going to talk about uh, Intel versus AMD as well. So if that's something that interests you and you want to know about, then for sure have this. uh, You know, you don't want to miss June after june i'm gonna go back to some more like photo tips kind of stuff i'll I'll step away from the hardware a little bit it just happens to be that there's a bunch of stuff right now that's just really hot in in the news and uh things that are happening with hardware so those, those that's what the episodes are all right let's go back to the nook now so I have buying guides, by the way. If you are wondering about like how to configure, how, how a photographer should configure an iMac, or a Mac Mini, or a MacBook Pro, or a PC, a full desktop PC, I have buying guides over at com, There'll be a link in the show notes of what you should do when you're going to buy those, how you should spend the money, where it's worth upgrading things, where it's not worth upgrading things so that you can really come out with a nice PC. I hear regularly from photographers that have followed the guides and said, this worked out beautifully thank you so much i didn't know what to do how to configure these things all these numbers and components mean nothing to me and they use those guides to be able to help them so if that's where you are then go do that okay intel nook it comes in there's two options for the nook you can buy it in a kit or you can buy it fully assembled and the kit isn't that much of a kit like if you've never built a computer before This is still, like the kit is something where you do have to buy two other things, two other hardware computer components to go inside the kit. But it's only two. They're really simple to install. Super, super easy, which is another compelling reason to do this. Um, The kit versus fully assembled, there's not a whole lot of differences there. The reason, now for me, obviously I like the option to be able to build computers. I've built my own photo editing computers for many years now. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm currently still using one that I built back in 2014, and it was a good build because I'm still using it here in 2020. I'd really like to upgrade, and my plan is to upgrade in 2021. I'm hoping memory prices will come down so that that will help in in uh, decreasing the cost of the build. But it, it's something that I've done a lot, and I so I'm not scared of it, obviously. But <laughs> it's not that hard, and I can tell you that uh you shouldn't be afraid of the kit option here the advantage is you get to pick the components that go into your kit so you get to make some decisions about how big a hard drive you're going to put in it and how fast a hard drive you're going to put in it along with the memory how much memory are you going to put in it and so uh and and the quality of those components how what kind of uh Build quality? Are you going to have out of your Nook? Where it's one that's fully assembled, you're relying on somebody else to have done this. Uh, it could be Intel; they do have some fully assembled options, or it could be that I found some builders on Amazon that are that look like they have the right things that they're saying. I've never bought anything from them. So I can't attest to like their quality, their customer service, or any of that. But I'll have some links in case like you're so petrified of doing the kit and you want to do this that, um, that you need those options. So those will be in the show notes at the end. But I'm going to try and instill in you confidence that you can totally do this kit. Um, what I did was I bought this device in a kit form and I brought the pieces to my son who has never built a computer before. And I said, I want you to unbox and build this thing. We're going we're to record it. We're going to record video for YouTube. And I'm going to publish a video of you building the computer. And he's like, okay, let's do that. So we did. And it didn't take very long. We have a, a little 15-minute video where we walk through the unboxing and build of the computer all the way through like launching it with Windows for the first time. So it's, it's totally doable. If you're listening to this, this sounds interesting to you. And you've never built a computer before. You can do this. You can totally do this. And it's not again, it's not really to save money because the kits that you can buy, uh at least for what I priced out, they are similar to what I did with building my own. It's because you can choose your own components and you can guarantee that the build is going to have high quality or the highest quality that you can get based on the recommendations i'm going to go through what i recommend for each of these components and a high quality kit for photographers to be able to run photoshop and lightroom really well on one of these intel nooks okay so the kit starts off with really what you have to choose is the processor that's going to go inside this nook and this is a super important decision, not only here with the Intel Nook, but like I said, with these components that I'm going to talk about, the same applies to everything that you're going to buy with a computer. The processor today in 2020, here in May 2020, uh, it is the most important factor by a wide margin for how well Lightroom and Photoshop function and if you so if you are editing using those tools and other tools too most of the tools editing tools today are still it's a term called cpu bound the performance is almost entirely impacted or it the the thing that makes the computer perform and run those that software well is the processor so you have to pay attention there you have choices with the Nook of Intel Core i3, Core i5, or Core i7. Now, this is a thing from Intel, so AMD is obviously not an option. There are some AMD devices that are similar to this. I'm going to recommend against them for one reason, and that's the ports that are that can be offered. But for let's just kind of set that aside for right now. Throughout this whole episode, we're just going to ignore AMD, not because they don't have compelling solutions because they do i'm my next build is likely going to be an amd based computer but in this specific thing that we're looking at and we're looking at this very small form factor relatively inexpensive computing device for photographers the intel unit the intel nook is the thing that seems most compelling and and that's where we're going to stay So you have your choices, Core i3, Core i5, Core i7, which is also the choices you have on a number of desktop computers or Macs. Macs only offer the Intel processors as well. And the advice I'm going to give you here is the same advice I'd give you on the others, I really, really recommend the Core i7 over the Core i5 and Core i3. Now, does that mean Photoshop and Lightroom won't run with those other cores, uh, the other processors? Of course not. They're, it'll run and it will run decently. If your budget doesn't allow anything but the Core i3, if you are like really stretching even to buy this new computer, that but you just, you need something to improve the, the performance of Lightroom and Photoshop, Core i3 can get you there. It can probably be a good, a decent update from where you might be if you have an older computer that you're struggling with. Then Core i3 can totally work. It's just going to work better with Core i5 and Core i7. And in the case of the Nook, there's two things around the processor that you need to be aware of. The first thing is that the Core i7 or these processors that are in the Nook are not the same thing as what are in desktop computers they're they're mobile processors, and there 's a different emphasis as Intel builds these things there 's a different emphasis. They happen to be saying like it still works well as a computer, so you can make an inexpensive device like the Nook, use the mobile processors, and really still end up in a re- in a good place with lots of computing potential and possibilities. But it's not nearly as big as a desktop PC, a desktop computer with the desktop versions of the core processors. They're, they're different. These processors, being the mobile version, they're about 25% less powerful as a desktop computer. Computer device. So I have a graph in the show notes that you can see compa- comparing this 10th generation Core i7 mobile processor to a ninth generation, because the 10th generation aren't out as I'm recording this, to the ninth generation equivalent processor. There's more, there's better processors even than that on the desktop, but they're even more money. But it's kind of an equivalency thing there. And yeah, you get about 75% more power in the desktop solution, at least in general computing. Now, so this is in conflict then, right? I I said photographers really want or need to have the best processor they can buy because that has a very direct impact on how well Photoshop and Lightroom run. Yet this one is 25% slower, than those processors. So I'm giving up 25% of performance in buying one of these Nooks. Absolutely true, except it's not quite that bad. So there's two reasons this is okay for photographers. Um, The first reason is it's not 25% across the board slower. It's just like, you know, general use cases, trying to, to, to think about every way a computer can be used, a processor can be used. As you Aggregate everything together it 's about twenty five percent slower in single threaded computing when you narrow the scope down to just the stuff that 's single threaded, which is mostly what Lightroom and Photoshop has today they don 't do a ton of multi threaded processing they they mostly do single threaded at least right now uh, it 's only about thirteen percent slower so you 're still giving up thirteen percent of performance but it 's not twenty five and it's it's a very acceptable trade-off to me for reason number two why this is still a compelling thing. It's a tiny little computer. This is an itty bitty device, this the size of a Mac Mini, essentially. It's a little larger, a little taller, but it's it's a really small computer, but it still has a whole bunch of things that are super compelling about it. So, yes, I I'm gonna tell you right up front, you're making a little bit of a sacrifice. On the performance of the computer from what is possible with a modern, fully big desktop computer. But this thing's tiny and it offers incredible ports. And it's, I've, I've already done a little bit of testing, not enough to share any results with, but it's compelling. It does a really good job with Lightroom and Photoshop. And then the cost is much, much less. You can get a full. Desktop computer or a full computer, not desk. A full computer here for significantly less money than a build, even a modest build on a full desktop computer. Now, setting aside AMD again, we're not, we're ignoring that for the moment. That's next month's episode. But setting aside that, it's it's just super compelling. Um, okay, so performance-wise, with the Nook Nook Kit, if you're going to buy one of these. Um, The Core i3 to the Core i5 to the Core i7, what's the difference and what's the cost? So the Core i3 has only about 41% of that single threaded performance of the Core i7. So it's quite a bit less performant. It's quite a bit less money. It's $320 for the kit for the Core i3 versus $600 for the kit for the Core i7. And then the Core i5, that it's about 63% of the performance of the Core i7, and it goes up quite a bit in money into $500, so it's only 100 bucks short of the Core i7, which means to me, if you're on a super tight budget, the Core i3 is, is your option. That will be a decent computer. It will do well with Lightroom and Photoshop. It won't do spectacularly. It may struggle in some areas. Uh, the compositing, uh, some of the filters in, in Photoshop, uh, some of the sliders in Lightroom may not perform to the fullest potential, but it's going to work. It's going to work quite well, and it totally would be an option for budget computers. In fact, if you want a super tight budget, this Intel Nook budget compu- configuration I'm going to tell you about may be the best budget PC I can recommend here in May of 2020. All right, so so there's that one. Then the Core i7 would be the other option. I would just, if I was a photographer and I even if I had kind of a not fully tight budget, but kind of a limited budget, I'd still skip the Core i5 and go to the Core i7. The processor is that big a deal, and it's only a hundred bucks to get there, so it would be there. And so so that get gives you the kit. It means you get this little box that the motherboard, the ports, all the stuff that's in there is there, the processor's in there and then you have to add memory and hard drive. So we're going to go through those right now next on what that is. So let, let's talk memory now. Processor most important factor in running Photoshop and Lightroom for sure. Memory is the next most important factor. So you can't like cheap out on the memory and have this big beaky bulky processor Things won't work out. You sort of have to strike a balance between these components so that they will uh, support each other. There'll be enough of one resource um, to compare to the other. So memory is the next thing you should spend money on. I'm going to tell you that here in 2020, eight gigabytes is just bare minimum. <laughs> I really strongly recommend you don't you you even on a tight tight budget you don't go with just eight gigabytes of memory. It's possible. It can work. I have seen, I've done some testing on this and it's okay, especially if you're mostly just a Lightroom user and you're not gonna have Photoshop running at the same time, then eight gigabytes actually can work okay. Um, but yeah, boy, I would absolutely recommend, and I'll give you some pricing on this in just a second, going to 16 gigabytes of memory and that's going to help a lot. That's probably the sweet spot for most photographers here in May of 2020 is 16 gigabytes of memory. And that doesn't it's not just the Intel Nook that this applies to again. It's it's everything. As you're buying a computer, 16 gigabytes is what I would shoot for for most photographers. Now, if you're going to do a lot of high-end processing of your images, like you're going to be doing a lot of multi-layer composites inside of Photoshop or you're going to be doing uh, HDR panoramas that take a ton of raw files and, and you're going to glue those together or you're doing uh, a lot of filters in Photoshop, a lot of a very technical sort of filters trying to get some stuff to work well, then you're going to need more memory and 16 is going to be a challenge for photographers if you're going to run Lightroom, Lightroom, Photoshop browser all together at the same time routinely and doing a lot of work in all of those programs, then 16 is probably gonna not be enough, and you should go to 32. Uh 32 can also not be enough. I have 32 gigabytes in my 2014 PC build. I'm regularly running out of memory because of the the types of editing I'm doing. Now it's not, I shouldn't say like it's not frequently, it's not every editing session for sure but occasionally i'm going to be i work on a single photo where i have some objectives like especially something like for example my sports photography where i am compositing an athlete into a photoshop template that has tons of layers lots of effects in those layers lots of things i'm doing with the layers and filters that i'm using inside of lightroom and or sorry inside of photoshop and and they're usually huge like i'm doing a 60 by 40 banner image, 60 inches by 40 inches. And um, yes, some of the functions inside of Photoshop at that point with 32 gigabytes of RAM uh, is not enough. And I go to 64. I need to go to 64. And so I went with 64 in my build. I also went with the Core i7 in my build, by the way. But I went with 64 gigabytes, not because every photographer, honestly, 64 is probably overkill for most photographers. But for me, I have some use cases for it. And I also want to be able to make sure that as I do testing of Lightroom and Photoshop, I have a machine that has the 64 gigabytes of RAM in it to see how does the software react when it has all that room to spread out and do its thing. Does it actually matter? Does it help? And I I think it's going to be a good thing for testing. But in general, those are the advice. So 16 gigabytes cost wise adding a 16 gigabytes 16 gigabytes of memory to the nook kit is 70 bucks that's not that bad right i didn't even price out the 8 gigabytes cuz i just don't think you should do it you should skip it if you're building this machine even if you're on a tight tight budget 70 bucks for 16 gigabytes of ram is super good it's very much worth spending that money to get there and you're going to be surprised about what the total cost of the kit's going to be at the end of this uh so that would be the sm- the tight budget the sweet spot for most photographers, 32 gigabytes, that's about, it's $125 to do that. So again, not super expensive to get there. 32 gigabytes of memory in one of these Intel Nooks. that's really, really compelling. I love the, the price to performance ratio there. The place where it really jumps. <laughs> and this is why I'm really kind of hoping for my own build next year, because I'd actually love to go to 128 gig if I can um, it's 64 gigabytes is all the way up to $320. Again, overkill for most photographers. Most of you listening don't need 64 gigabytes of memory to have Lightroom and Photoshop just really run well. Smooth as butter. 32 gigabytes is plenty for most of you listening. So there you go. Those are the options for the nook as far as memory goes. So again, processor spend as much as you can there. And then memory, kind of the sweet spot, 32 gigabytes, but 16 will work super, super well. Now let's move on to the hard drive. That's the third piece you need if you're building an Intel Nook is the hard drive. And I've been recommending, and I'm sure most of you have heard this, even if you're not a a techie, you've heard the term tons because there's so many people that talk about it. That's an SSD drive for your operating system and your programs. It's even good to have an SSD drive for your Lightroom catalog and your photos But it kind of turns out that's not nearly as big a deal as I had anticipated it being. I tested that out. There'll be a link in the show notes to the article where I talked about that. But for your operating system, which on this Nook, you're going to be installing Windows 10. um, And for Photoshop and Lightroom, it's really helpful to have an SSD there. It's also helpful that Windows can use the SSD, a super fast SSD, as kind of extra memory. It's uh, it's a swap files thing, and if you don't know what those mean, it doesn't matter. It means that as your if your computer runs out of the actual memory that we just talked about, that 16 or 32 gigabytes of memory, it can use this hard drive kind of as virtual memory. It can like reach out and start using the hard drive as a way to be able to compensate for the fact that it doesn't have as much memory. And so having this ultra-fast SSD drive as an option there means the penalty for not having enough actual memory and going to this virtual memory is very low and it it does a really good job. So the Intel Nook, here's where I'm talking about like ports and connections and the things that are available. It's got the most current options available for connecting an SSD drive. So it's a a PCIe M.2 NVMe connection is available inside the Nook. You get ultra blazing fast speeds for connecting an SSD drive, the most the fastest speeds available today here in 2020. And that's so compelling. This is not a device that cheaps out on everything. It's just making some compromises that are, uh, are worth it to be able to save some cost and still end up with a really good computer. So you can get uh, one of these super blazing fast SSD drives. I'm gonna recommend the Samsung 970 EVO Plus ssd version there's lots of these ssd drives available there's a ton of manufacturers good manufacturers so if you know something about these things feel free like that's why you can choose the intel nook you can go choose your own ssd drive whatever you want but for you who may not know how to choose that's the one I'd recommend, and it's because it consistently has ratings of having extremely high price to performance. That's kind of what we're after here. We're trying to build a computer that has high price to performance, and it's really compelling that way. So the Eva Plus series, they're really fast, but they're the cost, the the yeah, the cost of them is extremely reasonable, and um, it, it's awesome. It's really, really compelling um so there's those there are other options so you can use a little bit slower ssd drive that are the sata 3 type connections the intel nook supports both in fact it's a really good way to be able to have like super super fast system drive for windows lightroom photoshop your applications and then add a second kind of slower but less expensive ssd like the crucial mx500 drive that's two terabytes in size for a very reasonable cost and now you'll have two terabytes of storage for maybe your catalog and a lot of your photos maybe not all of them on that drive that's an ssd and is is fast but not super fast like the evo plus drives Anyway, let's not focus on that. Let's get to the these drives. So they come in different sizes, and that might be the next thing. So besides the brand and type of drive, then how big? How big a drive do I need? So I'm going to tell you right off the bat, you can buy these in 128 gigabyte sizes. Don't make that mistake. I have done this. It is it is awful. It is terrible. You are in a constant battle trying to figure out like what you can delete from one of these SSD drives. Like you end up with not having enough space to upgrade Windows to the next version or applying patches or um, in macOS, even the same thing, applying the next macOS upgrade. It can be like you run out of space. You don't have enough room. You might have to do something like remove Lightroom, Photoshop, all your Adobe tools from the drive so that you have enough space to go to the next version of Mac OS and then reinstall everything when you're done. It's terrible. Don't do 128 gigabyte SSD. It is awful for photographers. So 256 is the next size up. And that's the bare bare minimum. I'd say it's even a challenge at 256. I've done that. I'd lived it with it for a while too. And it's just Photoshop and Lightroom as software is big enough. It challenges that, that storage space. You you probably need more than 256 gigabytes. I'd say it's it's good for a small budget. If you are on a super tight budget, it's still worth the the performance that you can gain in having one of these super fast SSD drives and going with 256 and then just make sure you have another drive in the computer or outside the computer. There's some really good options for that, that we'll get to in just a moment. But, uh, so 256, small, small budget. Yep. You can go there, but otherwise the next size up 512, or sometimes they call them 500. There's kind of different numbers there. That's like the sweet spot to me for photographers you can get bigger ones i'm going to tell you about why i don't think that's a great idea in just a second but the 512 is is like perfect so let me give you an example on my custom built windows 10 pc i have all i have windows 10 installed i have adobe installed i even have a lightroom catalog that could fit on there so with with those installed with everything there and a bunch of other software installed in the computer with a 512 gig ssd drive i still had 216 gigabytes free, so almost half. But you'll notice if it was 256, I'd be really tight on space. In fact, I couldn't have had everything that I did on my hard drive. The 512 really gave me room. Now, my Lightroom catalog today, as I am recording this, is 115,000 photos in the catalog. Yep, 115,000 photos. And it's performing beautifully, beautifully. You don't have to split up your catalogs. I've talked about this already on the show. Um, It's 85 gigabytes of storage for that catalog. Now, it's none of the photos, it doesn't include a single photo in that storage uh, amount. It's just my 115,000 photos that are in it. So I could totally fit that catalog on the same SSD drive. I happen to have another SSD drive in my computer. And so to like maximize performance, I actually put it on the separate SSD drive, but I totally could have put it there with a 512 gig drive. It's reasonable that photographers could have Windows, Lightroom, Photoshop, browsers, other applications that you're gonna want and your catalog could all go on that super, super fast SSD drive. And that could work out really, really well there are bigger ones yet. You can go up to a one terabyte drive. You can go up to a two terabyte drive. Uh, I don't think in the Evo Plus line you can get to four, but there are also four terabyte versions of these things. But the cost really jumps up. So let me give you an example. And, And that's why I think it's really not a compelling choice or a good choice for photographers to go to even the one terabyte or two terabyte version. And that's because it doesn't really give you enough storage to have all of your photos there. At least if you're, especially if you're shooting like a high megapixel camera where the RAW files are really large, it's only gonna, that would only really store probably a few shoots at a time. Even if you went to two terabytes, it's just not gonna store enough of your images to be able to have it be worth it. And the cost is just so big. 512 is the sweet spot for sure. The 500 gigabyte or 512 gigabyte drives for the ssd drives is the sweet spot uh one terabyte's not as bad but boy two and four are just ridiculous in cost so here's the cost to 250 gig drive 85 bucks so that's really not too bad as kind of the baseline small for the small budgets and then the, the sweet spot, the 500-gig drive, is $125. And the 1-terabyte is $230. So that's why I say that one's it's okay. That one's reasonable. The cost jump is not so big that it's, it's an absolute... Uh, that just doesn't make any sense. And if budget allows, yeah, it might be worth going there so that you have just a little extra space for your catalog and like photos that you're going to be editing while you're doing it. From there, though, the 2-terabyte... Is a massive jump up to four hundred and fifty bucks to get an extra terabyte of storage it 's just not worth it for most photographers to spend that kind of money because, like I said, you, you run out of space really fast still of trying to store all your photos there, and you have other options you have really good options to be able to add other storage for your photos that is going to be just great so i 'm going to tell you all about that. In this episode, though, I'm, I'm, I'm talking a ton about a computer for Lightroom and Photoshop, maybe more than most of you want to hear. And I hope you've stuck with me so that you can kind of understand this. But if you don't know how to use Photoshop, if, you, if that's a struggle that you've faced for a long time, I, to t- I want to have you check out a partner of Photo Taco, someone who made this episode possible in phlearn.com. Aaron Nace over at phlearn.com He has forgotten more Photoshop than I have ever learned. A huge portion of what I know about Photoshop has come from video training I paid for, like I was a paying customer before they partnered up with PhotoTaco over at Flirt.com. Aaron is truly a Photoshop master, but even more important, he's a really good teacher. That's not always the same thing, being a master of the software and being a good teacher. It doesn't matter the topic, retouching, coloring, compositing, uh, using camera raw for editing your photos, whatever it is, Aaron knows it, and he knows how to teach it, and he makes it fun. Included in a year's subscription to Flern.com is instant access to over 150 in-depth video tutorials, and they're not done there. They're adding two more new pro tutorials every month. It's priced at a ridiculously low Ninety nine ninety five per year for the annual subscription. It's an absolute steal, but listeners of Phototaco can get even more off. If you use coupon code PHOTOTACO20 at checkout, you can get 20% off of that first year subscription. I love Flearn.com. I know you will too. If you've been afraid of Photoshop, this is the solution. Head over to Flearn.com and use coupon code PHOTOTACO to get 25%. That's Flearn, P-H-L-E-A-R-N.com, phototaco twenty. To get 20 percent off that first year subscription next component up is the graphics the intel nook graphics for photographers and maybe you've already figured it out <laughs> i mean if you think about it it's it's the same problem the mac mini has the same challenge i shouldn't say problem the same challenge the mac mini has there is no graphics really for the intel nook it's not it's a tiny little computer. there's no space to put like a graphics card inside of it. There's no p c i e slots inside of it it's It's gonna be the intel u h d six twenty graphics that are built into the processor now that may sound like bad news and if you have stayed away from the Mac Mini or some of the lower end MacBook Pros because of the same reason they don't have graphics a dedicated it's called discrete graphics card in computer terms, but they they don't have those, and you're thinking as a photographer, I'm doing a lot of graphics that's like what i'm doing i'm twiddling i'm playing with pixels, and it seems like that's what a graphics processor should do, and that's true. But there's two reasons. I, I love that I have like two reasons for everything, but for there's two reasons why this isn't bad news for photographers. Uh the first one, and the most important reason right now here in May of 2020 is the performance of both Lightroom and Photoshop. It is far more impacted by the things I've gone through already, the processor, the RAM, and the storage than it is by graphics cards. They just don't make that big a difference in Lightroom and Photoshop. Now it's changing it's changing. Adobe's released some updates where more and more of Lightroom and Photoshop with every release is is being changed where graphics cards, processors, if they're there and available in the computer, will be used and will make things work better. That's absolutely changing. I hope at some point this becomes a massive deal. I hope Adobe makes it so that the GPU is something that becomes a big deal, but it's just not here in mid 2020 it's not a huge factor so that's the biggest reason this is not a big deal it's going to work great i mean you got to think about it apple has a whole bunch of computers they offer where they don't have a good discrete graphics card inside it either and it's working well we don't have photographers like complaining like crazy that it's not working cuz it does it works so you you can definitely uh, not worry too much about it right now in the future it might and that goes to point number 2 Why this isn't a big deal with the Nook? There's some seriously good options for being able to add an eGPU. The ports on this computer are insane. They are really, really good and super compelling. And it makes it feel like this thing was designed with a photographer in mind. They weren't. They were designed to show off Intel's uh, components and pieces and, and the ports that they have and it is a reference platform for intel about how you can make a good relatively inexpensive computer and still have it perform really really well but um, if at some point adobe does get their acts together on gpu and they make it so that photoshop and lightroom really really want and need a gpu to make it so that things work well then you could add something like the Sonnet eGFX Breakaway eGPU box, that's about 250 bucks, and an AMD RX 580 graphics card. Now, I'm saying AMD there for a specific reason, and that's because if I was to buy this today, that's what I'd buy, not because it's the very best option, but because it's cross-platform. I'd be able to use it with my MacBook Pro and with the Intel Nook, and I'd want to be able to do the testing. Honestly, if it was just the Nook, I'd probably put an Nvidia card inside the computer because I think that Nvidia is still got a uh, a little bit better support from Adobe in particular with how graphics cards works but that's what I I there's I'll put links in the show notes to the thing that would work well cross platform so Mac or PC if if it's a Thunderbolt connection, this can work super well, and we're going to talk about that. So that's the second reason this is okay, because if it does happen where you really need this, and let's say it happens the next release, it's not going to, but let's say it did in Adobe software, and you really have to have a GPU now. Well, now you can spend the money on this, and granted, it's not a tiny amount of money. You're almost $500 just to get there. But at least that's an option and something you can add if Lightroom and Photoshop is just struggling after doing, you know, because of an update and you need this, you have the option and you can do it later. Like it doesn't matter now. So later when that does become a problem, you have an option, a way to be able to deal with it. And that is very compelling. I really, really like that. It's only compelling though because of the port. So now we can finally get to like the the place where we're no longer making any compromises. We've talked so far... I mean, the memory and the CP or the hard drive, no compromises there. But with the processor and the GPU, we're making some compromises. You're making a, about a 13% compromise <laughs> in the processor, and you're making a 100% compromise on the graphics card. It just happens to be that that doesn't really matter right now for Photoshop and Lightroom. So then, but this is where you're you're absolutely not only are you not making a compromise. It's like It may be better than a lot of other computers that are available out there on the market, as far as the ports that are supported. Uh, It's really amazing. So here's the deal. Here's where this is what where it shines. It has a Thunderbolt three port. It has a true. 100% 100% Thunderbolt 3 port. Yep, a PC with a Thunderbolt 3 port. Now, that's they're not as rare as they used to be. It's, uh, it used to be something that was kind of an Apple Intel thing. And now, uh, PCs, a lot of PCs will offer these. But the Nook has a full Thunderbolt 3 port. And that's only one. There's not more than one. There's only one. But there's so much you can do with it, like adding that to eGPU. A Thunderbolt 3 port provides a... 40 gigabit per second connection. It's blazing fast. It's the very fastest kind of data throughput connection that is available on computers here in 2020. And the Intel Nook has one. It that makes it a, such a big deal for photographers. You can add storage there. You could add the eGPU there. You could do a display adapter out of that and have it work really well. There's lots of options. It really means you're not limited it's it's such a compelling thing it's it's beautiful and i I, it just makes it so that this is this is an important thing now it does offer some more ports though it doesn't stop there it's not that there's only one port there are more ports there are four more usb ports and they are the fastest usb ports available here in 2020 the usb 3.1 gen 2 which may not, it's a lot of numbers <laughs> that are in there, but it, it means they are the fastest USB ports available, faster than USB 3.0 ports. And there's four of them. There's one that's in the USB C form factor, which can be super confusing because that looks like Thunderbolt 3, but it's not Thunderbolt 3. It's this USB 3.1 Gen 2. And then there are uh, three of the USB A style ports. And those are the older style USB connections you all are familiar with. You know, the, the, wide plugs that have to be plugged in one direction. And you try to plug your USB device in the wrong way and it won't fit in. That's the USB-A connection. And these newer ones offer 10 gigabits per, uh, per second speeds. So yes, they're one quarter. They are 25% as fast, 75% slower than the Thunderbolt 3 connection, but you have one on the Nook but they're still way faster than the, even the USB 3.0 connections. They're twice as fast as that. Those were at six gigabits per second. They're also faster than the internal connections of hard drives that we've had for many years. The SATA 3 connection, how you used to connect like SSD drives even inside a computer, those were only capable of six gigabits per second, and this USB 3.1 Gen 2 is capable of 10 gigabytes per second. So you have four ports, that you can use for storage and attach super fast storage, like attaching an SSD drive. You have to make sure it supports this USB 3.1 Gen 2 connection, but now you can get faster than what you could used to be able to get with internally connected SSD drives, and that's so, so compelling. It is, it is really amazing. I love it. I love that option. All right, so, so there is the ports that are there. I'm not done yet. There's another port to tell you about, and that's that it has a built-in SD card reader. It's built into the device. How cool is that? It is an SSDXC UHS-II memory card reader, which is the very fastest kind of memory card reader for SD cards that you can get here in 2020. I've already done a test just to see the performance of it compared to my UHS-II reader that I'm using on my Windows computer today. And I'll have a link to the results, the Crystal Disk Mark results, but it's the same. You're getting every bit of speed out of the SD card that is possible with a uhs 2 card here in 2020 and it's beautiful. It's lovely. It's just built right into the side. Now, of course, that doesn't help with uh, CF cards or CF Express or whatever other kinds of non-SD memory cards. So you would have to have a reader for those. But if you use SD, which a lot of cameras do today, then it's built right into the computer. And that's super, super compelling. See, the ports and the connections that are available make this device incredible for photographers. Really, really good. All right. Now, the last thing, if you do the kit... The last thing you have to do is you have, you do have to still buy a copy of Windows 10. You have to license Windows 10. And this would have been the part where 10 years ago, if I was kind of walking through this And we were talking about these choices that we have to make and kit building. This might have been the point where I'd say, even though putting the hardware inside it, putting that memory and CPU or the memory and hard drive inside the the kit, is really simple, not hard at all. You barely even need a tool. You need like a Phillips screwdriver. It does have to be kind of a little one, but it has to be a Phillips screwdriver, uh, and that's all you need to be able to get inside there and do this. The point of installing Windows 10 years ago would have been the issue for someone who'd never built a computer. It was kind of a nightmare (laughs) to be able to make that work. Installing the Windows software and then having to get the right drivers on and figuring out how to do that and configure it, it was awful. But here with Windows 10 these days in 2020, that's mostly solved. It's really not that big a deal. Um, It took minutes for me to do it. It was super simple to be able to make it happen. The easiest way to do it to me is downloading a serial, uh, a license key. And then Windows offers, uh, Microsoft offers something called a media creation tool where it's really easy to, to turn a USB thumb drive into a Windows 10 installation drive. And it's just temporary. It temporarily writes, like erases everything that's on there, turns it into an install drive and then uh, you boot from that USB device, install Windows on your computer, and then you can use the device for whatever you want after. So I'll put a link in the show notes to a USB thumb drive I will recommend, because then you can actually use that for other things, like you know transferring photos from device to device or whatever. A 128 gig USB thumb drive, super simple cost, really easy to produce these things. Now, which version of Windows though? What version should you buy? You have two choices, you have home, you have professional. And I am going to argue that you should spend the money on Pro, even on budget computers, although my total budget cost is not going to, is going to go home. But here's why. There's one feature difference between the two that makes it something why I really, really think photographers should go with Pro. And it's not like a a feature function (laughs) in Windows that matters because I don't think anything in Pro that way is a big deal for photographers. It's the ability to delay updates. With Home, you can delay updates for up to 35 days. If Microsoft puts out a new version of Windows 10, you can delay it up to 35 days. It's not super simple to do that, but you can delay it up to 35 days. In Pro, you can delay for a full year. You can wait for an entire year on an update. And that way, you know, we've I, I if you listen to the show, you've heard tons about me saying like problems that Microsoft and Apple and Adobe have had with updates to their software where people end up running into problems. And frequently a fresh new update has an issue and you need a patch to the update (laughs) or two patches to the update before it's safe for photographers to be able to go and apply it and not run into problems, not run into challenges. And if you buy home, you can only put that off for 35 days and then it's going to install and you don't have a choice in the matter. Now, in some ways that's good because we do need people to keep their operating systems up to date, patch it for security reasons but, if there's a problem with it, you're going to have no choice but to go to it for thirty five in you know after thirty five days and I think photographers need to have that choice that ability to be able to put it off most of the time. you're probably going to want to install it, but if it's a problem, you have at least the choice to wait it's worth the fifty dollars to me to be able to have that choice if it's not to you, if fifty bucks is a big deal. And you don't need that choice to be able to delay, then home is going to be a great option. There's really no other difference that matters to photographers between the two other than being able to delay updates. Okay, so let's go over the full kit options now then. What is the final grand tally come up to? You may have been trying to calculate this in your head or you might be seeing it in the show notes what it is, but let's let's go over, I created a low, medium, and bud, uh, high budget categories for these, and how I would configure these. So in the low budget category, if you are super, super tight on budget, and you're, you're thinking like, I really wish I could get a new computer that would run Lightroom and Photoshop better than what you have today, maybe you have a computer that's four, five, six years old, and you need something, but you don't have a lot of budget, here's what I recommend. The Core i3 kit, Intel Nook with 16 gigabytes of memory, a 250 gig drive and Windows 10 Home is going to run $605. That's it. A $600 computer. It's not going to be up to some of the more challenging things of running Lightroom and Photoshop together, doing composites and multiple layers and like HDR Panorama merges. It's not going to be very good at that. But for doing an edit of a senior photo shoot, totally up for that. Yeah, it's it's going to work well for like running Lightroom for most of the edits and then occasionally popping into Photoshop to do uh you know content aware fill or a healing brush or maybe a, a bit of frequency separation on a model. It's going to work great for those use cases. It's going to be awesome for doing that a, a landscape edit and being able to do like a single image and start off in Lightroom and maybe go into Photoshop to touch up a few things. Again, content-aware fill or whatever. It's going to be great. It's going to work really well and totally be worth the $600. Whereas if you go really cheap on some other desktop PCs, it may not because they may not have Thunderbolt connections. They may not have any ability to add super fast storage to the device I think this is a more compelling, low budget item than most anything else I have seen so far. And if you think you have something that would challenge for that, now, AMD aside, AMD builds, <laughs> that may be a more compelling thing. And I'm going to get into that next month. But uh, for Intel, this is really compelling, a really good option. Medium, I'd go Core i7. Yep, all the way Core i7, not the whole i5. 32 gigabytes of RAM. 500 gigabytes of SSD storage, Windows 10 Pro, and you end up at 1,030. Now, that's kind of a big jump, 605 to 1,030. But the jump in performance is big. It's very big. And then there's high, the high-end budget this would be a really nice machine, and this is essentially what I went with. I guess I went with a little less disk, a little less SSD, but here's, here's where you could go. Core i7, 64 gigabytes of memory, 1 terabyte SSD, Windows 10 Pro, and you end up at 1330 $1,330 for a pretty high-end editing computer that could do most anything with Lightroom and Photoshop, and super compelling. Now for comparison pers- purposes, I am not hating on the Mac mini here. I think the Mac mini is a really good photo editing computer for people who prefer Mac OS. And that's, if that's you, that's awesome. And you should go check out my guide on how to configure the Mac mini. Although a lot of what we just talked about is what I'd exactly what I'd recommend for the Mac mini as far as the processor, memory, and hard drive. And those really are the choices you have to make with the Mac Mini too. So um just for comparison though, they similarly spec'd out. They are slightly faster. Uh the Mac Mini is about twenty-two percent faster overall on the processor, um, over what is here in the uh with these, because they they have a, a better CPU in them, uh, but single threaded it's only about eight percent better. So you know there is a performance difference between the Intel Nook and the Mac Mini. The Mac Mini is going to be a little bit more powerful as you're using it, but the cost difference is tremendous. So six that low end budget, the the Nook was six hundred and five dollars. The Mac Mini, a comparable Mac Mini, is a thousand dollars. That's a big difference in cost. Huge difference in cost. Again, Mac mini is a little more performant, but it's just not that much. The price to performance ratio is not as good with the Mac mini for sure. The medium budget, $1,030 for the Intel Nook, it's $1,900, almost $2,000 for a comparable Mac mini. And the high-end budget, which was $1,330 for the Intel Nook, is $2,500 for the Mac Mini. So big difference there in cost in being able to get kind of a high-end photo editing computer. If going through all of this, you th- say, this sounds great, but I just don't think I can build it. Um, I'm going to have a grid, a table of a bunch of options um, for a builder that, that will build the Intel Nook for you and install Windows on it and, sh- and send it to you. Um, there are various costs. All of them are pretty low, pretty good. I couldn't really find a Core i3 build. So if you are after that super tight budget build, that $600 computer, and to, to be able to have Lightroom and Photoshop work well, um, that's it's going to be a challenge. That's not really a feasible thing in a a pre built machine. I couldn't find one where they had Core i three. So they're all Core i five or Core i seven. And I really recommend you don't go to the Core i five. But you it, it, just for budget purposes, if if that happens to fall in line a little better with your budget, then it's a decent option. And I'll I'll put it out there for you to do that. So there's links to Amazon builds. and Remember, all those Amazon links are affiliate links that helps support the show a little bit if you're wanting to use those. Okay, I know this episode went along. I probably lost most of you along the way because there's a lot of you that don't really care that much about this. But I I hope that it helped some of you and I'd really love to have you do it. In fact, you can go let me know on the Discord server, right? We have a brand new way to be able to interact with the Photo Taco community. I'd love to have you check it out. Make sure you go thumbs up the rules in the welcome and rules channel so that you can be given the member role and actually post. So, by default, when you create a free user on the Discord server, when you go over there, you still have to, uh, like, you won't be able to post anything. And that's, again, spammers and bots. I'm trying to keep them out. So, you have to go and give a thumbs up reaction to the rules. There's a set of rules for the group, for the server. And you have to thumbs up it. As soon as you do, a friendly little bot is going to automatically change your role from uh, everyone, which is the default, like everyone gets it, to a member role, and you'll be you'll be able to go and post into all of the threads, all of the channels that are there in the server. So really fun. Facebook group, there'll be a link in the show notes. Instagram at Photo Taco Podcast for the show, or my personal is at Harmon Jeff. Twitter at PhotoTaco and at Harmon underscore Jeff. And the the links are all in the show notes. So you don't have to remember any of this. If you have an email suggestion for the show, go to PhotoTaco Podcast. Sorry, send an email to podcast at gmail.com. Or even better is go over to the Discord server and let me know. I have a channel on the Discord server dedicated to episode topics a good way to be able to tell me you'd love to have a certain topic. And uh, I wanted to check out the other podcasts that I do too. That's the Master Photography Podcast. That's over at masterphotographypodcast.com to be able to find that. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I promise only one more episode next month. I'll do an episode where we are geeking out over hardware again, and then I'm going to go back to some tips and tricks and and some things like that. So, um, stick with me, y'all. I I'm so grateful for all of you listening, and we'll see you again next month. These expressed on this program by independent hosts of colors do not necessarily reflect the views of Master Photography Podcast LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links for commission. earned. Ole!